Okay, well, we're starting a new series today. It is a six-week series called Fulfilled. His promise kept, our longing met. And as we journey towards Christmas, we'll dig into Christ's birth as told by Matthew. Matthew is one of Christ's earliest followers. He, he was able, he was one of those that had the privilege of learning directly from Christ. But what Matthew does is he connects the Old Testament to the New Testament five different times. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at that for the next couple weeks in this series called Fulfilled. And that word fulfilled, you're going to be hearing that quite a bit over the next couple weeks. So we might as well define it. Being fulfilled is that, that happiness or satisfaction being met after a period of time, maybe an extended period of time. And we all have moments of fulfillment. Maybe last Thursday, some of you experienced fulfillment because in the morning you started to smell something that you don't smell the other days of the year. Someone was working on a Thanksgiving dinner. And over that period of time, finally, you're able to sit down at the table and enjoy a meal with family. And, and for some of you, you were fulfilled and then some. Or maybe some of you, um, after that awkward season of dating, you know all those first dates? Aren't those kind of miserable if, if you're married? Like, in a, in a way, like you're trying to find out about this person and, and, and you embarrass yourself and you have these, and, it, and it's, it's kind of a little rough. But after a season of playing that awkward dating game, finally you find that one and you come together in marriage and that's wonderful and you experience a level of fulfillment. Or maybe for some of you, it's that job. After balancing work, school, calendars, church schedules, other schedules, finally you, you land the job and you find some fulfillment. Or maybe yesterday, some of you were fulfilled as a result of Michigan beating Ohio State. I have no skin in that game because I'm a Badger fan. Um, and, and for Lion fans, I don't know what to say. I don't know if fulfillment is connected yet, but maybe, maybe. But we experience temporary fulfillment at times. But today, we're going to look at that pursuit of a greater fulfillment. So the series, Fulfilled, His Promise Kept, Our Longing Met. If you have a Bible, we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 25. Uh, but before we review the text, I want to begin with a visual up on the screen. Before us, we have the words God, and then a blank, and then us. What should be placed in the middle there? Well, you don't have to answer it out loud. Maybe we could have interaction there. But um, I want to, if, if you're a seasoned Christian, you probably, boom, I know what goes there. I know the text. But I want you to step back for a moment, okay, and work with me. We have God, and then we have a gap between God and us. On the left side, we know that we have a... a, a a eternal, we have an omnipresent, omniscient, 
omnipotent, we have a holy creator on one side. And then on the other, we have us. We're finite, we're limited, we're broken, we're sinful, we're, we're human. But that relationship between the word God and us is really important. And we're going to be talking about that relationship. It really matters. There's a, a person, that, a well-known author, pastor, I believe, named A.W. Tozer. And he, he made this, this comment once. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. With that in mind, in this auditorium, we have many people in different stages of their spiritual journey. We have some in here that are seasoned Christians, seasoned believers. You've been around the scene for a very long time. You could probably be even up here on the stage sharing God's word. You, you, you know the songs. You know the Bible well. And, and you know church. And you've been around. I'm so thankful that we have people in our church that are, that are seasoned in their Christianity. But then we have some that are, that are growing Christians. You know, you're learning. You're excited. You're getting plugged in. You're navigating church and and the understanding of it. But then we also have some that are new Christians, new to the faith. Everything is fresh. Everything is new. And there's a, a heightened interest in figuring things out. But then, every time we gather, there's some in here that are exploring church. You, maybe, maybe someone invited you, or maybe nobody invited you, but you are on a quest. You're like, I want to find truth once and for all. And somehow you landed here. I'm so glad that you are here today, along with all the others in your uh, sanctification of, of coming to know the Lord. You're not here by mistake. So no matter where you are in the spiritual journey, we're glad that you're here. And as a church, we want to take time to minister to everybody, no matter what phase of their spiritual journey you're at. And my prayer is that God's Word and the Holy Spirit will speak words of encouragement to you today. But referencing that quote, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what do you think about God? Do you think much about who God is? Well, as you gain insight and learn more, you start to put another piece of the puzzle into place. You start to see more of this special, scenic picture. And you start to become more fulfilled. So as we read today's text, Matthew clearly will fill in the blank for us. I'm going to be reading Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. I'll be starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. <clears throat> when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. God's word. So verse 23 answers that gap question. God, Emmanuel, us, or God with us. The big idea for today is this. In Jesus, God comes to be with us. This simple truth has, has pretty massive implications, though. Okay, so let's, let's take a moment and back up the bus. The God of the universe with mankind. He is so big. And we are so small. Why would it matter for this big, amazing, awesome God? Why would he want to be with us at all? I don't know if you've ever asked that question. Why would you want to be with us? You know, like, we're smaller than those, those little ants that visit your kitchen counter during the summertime. Like, we're, we're small. And he is so big and so awesome. This God who, according to Isaiah, marked off the heavens with a span. I don't know if you know what a span is, but a span is the distance of the tip of your thumb to the tip of your pinky. And according to Scripture, he measured the galaxies with the span of his hand. That is amazing. That's awesome. And somehow, this big, awesome, amazing God wants to be with us. I don't know if you've thought about how awesome of a thought that is. Well, this is certainly no ordinary story. And Matthew is going to point us to two signs. Two signs verifying God with us. The first sign has to do with his, the miraculous nature of his birth. So the point one in the outline, the virgin conception, we're going to reread verses 18 through 20. Okay, so uh, follow along with me again here. Starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then jumping to verse 23, 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive. So, how would the God of the universe come to be with us? How, how would he do this? Well, he would defy science by using a virgin named Mary. And how does he define science? Virgins don't give birth. They just don't. So the only way that this could happen is unless a God is involved in the scene. When God, who is all-powerful, decides, this is how I am going to be with mankind. To add to that specialness of God's avenue to be with man, Isaiah, a prophet from the Old Testament, prophesied a long time ago, like 700 years ago, that this is going to happen. Okay? That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's from the Old Testament. That's prophecy. That's a long time ago. So we have to back up the bus a second time. Now, I use that phrase, back up a second time, on purpose. Um, there was a season of my life that I had to drive a big yellow school bus. And I, I was involved in education for a long time. And they asked a couple of us to, like, hey, can you help us out by getting your CDL. And so I learned how to drive one of those big yellow school buses. And in the training, they would teach you all kinds of things, but one of the important things that they would say is never back up a school bus. <laughs> just, just don't do it, okay? Like, always pull up into a parking lot where you can come to a door, a sidewalk, open the door, the kids can go from the school bus to the sidewalk, to the school, or wherever you happen to be going on a field trip, and, and try to have it so that you're not backing up a school bus. However, every once in a while, you have to back up a school bus. It just happens. And you can do it, but you have to be very careful. You're going to be using your mirrors. You might have a spotter. You're going to check your surroundings. But basically, what it comes down to is being aware of what's going on. So in backing up the bus, we find out that God has this plan long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This plan was shared long before, and not only that, it was a very, very specific. Okay, God said, I'm going to use a virgin named uh, Mary. I'm going to give birth to a son of God, and it's going to be in an unnatural way. And this was shared 500 years ago. I don't believe that I, I put the word Mary in there, but a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and that was stated long before it actually happened. Okay, so when you take time to reflect on that, that is amazing. You know, I like some of these old Christmas movies like, you know, Ru Ru Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer gives more fuzzy feeling when I watch that or see it. 
I don't usually watch it anymore, but, or, or Charlie Brown Christmas or some of these other ones, you know, like, but when you think about the power of what is going on in the real Christmas story, this is amazing. It is so much better than some of the movies that we watch during the Christmas season. So Matthew, in verse 23, quotes this passage from Isaiah 7:14, connecting the dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And the prophecy would be fulfilled. So still under point one, though, of the, the virgin conception, we have another person in the scene. We got a guy named Joseph. In verse 18, Mary is betrothed to Joseph, which means that there's a, a legal binding agreement. They are, they're bound in marriage, but they won't consummate the marriage until after the, the official wedding. However, before they came together, Joseph learns that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So men, let me ask you this question. If you were in that day and time and learned that your fiancé was pregnant, that she was expecting, you know it wasn't from you, how would you respond? Maybe you'd be a little skeptical of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you might be a little angry, maybe you might be hurt, maybe you might feel betrayed. Well, Joseph has a reaction that many guys might have. She's pregnant. It wasn't me. I am going to phase out of this relationship. In verse 19, it records that Joseph was a just man, though. A, a person of good and, and fair character. He didn't want to embarrass Mary or shame her, so he was going to quietly divorce her. But something would change that. An angel shows up, encourages him to see the marriage through. It is once again reiterated that the child is from the Holy Spirit, emphasizing Mary's virginity in that she was faithful to him. And I have to say, this had to be so encouraging for Joseph to receive this. This, this word from the angel, that he wouldn't have to be skeptical of Mary or anxious and, and wondering. He, he was able to support her through the, the pregnancy. So in, in, a, in the first sign that we have, uh, in point one, the, the virgin conception, we, we move from there to the, the second sign that Matthew wants us to see, and that's that Jesus fulfills the birth of a son. Let's look back at verse 21 and read through verse 25. Verse 21, She will bear a son, and, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the second half of Isaiah's prophecy gives a second sign 
with the arrival of Emmanuel, the promised one. He's going to bear a son with a prophesied name of Emmanuel. The angel explains that Emmanuel is God with us. And he will save their people from their sins. Okay, this is unlike any other child or any other person that comes into the scene. They're going to save his people from their sins. But as you look close at verse 21, whose people will be saved from their sins? Whose people? His people. We have another slide here up on the screen with the two verses. One is from Isaiah, Isaiah 7.14, and that is the, the prophetic verse, something that's going to happen in the future. And then we have Matthew's account, Matthew 1.23, but just look at the verses together here. We have, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then we have, many years later, Matthew's account, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Very close verses right there. But there is something that's different. I don't know if you notice that anything different there. The word they. This is, this is important to, to take note of. Very important. So going back to Matthew 121, verse 21, he will save his people from their sin. And then verse 23, they will call him Emmanuel or God with us. His people and they, they will call him Emmanuel. So Matthew is pointing forward to those that, that trust in Christ. He is pointing forward to those that, that believe that Jesus is the one who's going to save you from your sins. And now you can call him Emmanuel. God is with us, and God is with me. So going back to the first slide, God blank us. In Jesus, God is with us. Between the creator and the created, between the holy and the unholy, between the majesty and the simpleness, stands a person, a promised son, and in him that blank is filled in. It's God with us. Which brings us to the big idea, in Jesus, God comes to be with us. For many people, though, the sense of God is that he is not with us. Maybe even a step further, that you feel that he has abandoned us. Let's focus on what we do know. Earlier I mentioned that there are many people in this auditorium in different stages of their spiritual journey. We have the faith explorers, and let's start with those that are here. Some of you are listening, you're exploring what is church all about. What is being a Christian all about? That God I talked about in the beginning, which is really big, really awesome, 
and created the galaxies, I ask, why would he care about us here on earth? Why would he care? We can answer that. There's a verse that says why he came, why he cared. John 3.16, such a familiar verse for us. But you think about it. Why did he come? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God sent his son, Emmanuel, to be with you because he loves you. If you're exploring the faith, you ask, why does God love me? He, he loves you. Trust it. Trust him. He wants you to believe in him. And today you can experience that fulfillment that goes far beyond a Thanksgiving meal. You can't get this fulfillment from anything else ever. Okay? It is the complete fulfillment. But then in this room, there are some believers, whether young or seasoned. And you need to be reassured. You need to be reassured that God came to be with you. You know, that last, at the end of the book of Matthew, he records something else that Jesus said right before he ascended. Matthew 28, 20 says this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's not sometimes I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you always. So you are not alone, even when you feel like it. Jesus is with you, so own that promise. Own it. That's yours. You can't have that it's mine. I own it. It's a promise. Jesus is with you. All the prophecies of Jesus coming came to pass. And while he lived, he taught all that we need for this life and the life to come. Another disciple named John, he closed out the New Testament in Revelation 21.3 by saying this, he experienced, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, he will be his people, and God will be with them as their God. If I can just step back and just share personally, I've been a follower of Christ for a long time. Most of my life, I'm thankful for that. But there are certain seasons of life that I felt alone, where I've been hurt, I've been discouraged. Have any of you had seasons like that? Don't raise your hand, you don't have to raise your hand. But what do you do? What do you do when you're in that season of you feel maybe abandoned, you're hurt, you're alone? Maybe some of you are in that season right now. Well, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what has helped me. A simple promise usually comes back during those seasons of discouragement. 
from verses that I've come across years ago. One of those verses, if, if you search for me, you will find me. It comes from Proverbs 8.17. That, the full verse says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. It doesn't say maybe you will find me. Will. You will be found. That is a promise. And so when in those times, those seasons, boom, I hang on to that promise. That's mine. And then I search for more truth. And I pray, which will lead to more promises from God's word. Which is tied to another passage of scripture. Followed by some shots of encouragement. Some shots of confidence that starts to come back to my spirit, my soul. And after applying promise after promise, momentum, sensing the Holy Spirit in God's promise, His presence with me. Woo! Man, that makes me fired up. I love, I love worship music. I, I love music. I always have music playing often. I love, but I love worship music. Um, I always get pumped up with, with new worship songs, and at times I, si I share them with Josh. Hey, Josh, he's our worship guy. Like, hey, did you hear this song? Maybe you could play it. Um, I wouldn't recommend all of us doing that because it would be overwhelming for poor Josh. I uh, try to navigate through uh, all the songs that are out there. But because I've grown up at church for such a long time, um, I've got a pretty big memory bank of a lot of songs. And there's one song that was written by a guy named Russell Carter. And it was called Standing on the Promises. And if you're a seasoned Christian, maybe you've heard that song, Standing on the Promises. Well, at the age of 30, Russell Carter was diagnosed with a critical heart condition. A critical heart condition. Around the age of 37, he wrote this song. And I'm not going to read the whole song, but I, write, I would like to read two verses. The second verse, he, he says this, Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. And then he, he goes on, and there's some great courses, verses there. But verse 5, he says, But standing on the promises, I shall not fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Russell Carter went on to live another 49 years. But I'm guessing that Russell Carter, while processing this difficulty, had to come back to the promises, which would eventually bring him back to the fact that in Jesus, God comes to be with us. He's able to draw confidence and strength and encouragement, and he would experience God with him. I'm so thankful that God is Emmanuel, that the God of the universe, this big, awesome, mighty God, wants to be with me 
and he wants to be with you. That is amazing. We can all declare that in Jesus, God comes to be with us. Oh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you did not leave mankind. Lord, you sent Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for that. But Lord, in this auditorium, this, there's so many wonderful people here in so many different seasons of their spiritual journey. But Lord, there's some that they're exploring the faith. They don't understand it all, but they're searching. Lord, I pray that the search would end today. I pray that they would receive you, receive the gift of salvation, that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no lying there. It's all truth. You say you came to save mankind. It just has to be received. And Lord, so I pray that that would be a day of change for some. But Lord, there's others in this auditorium that are anywhere from a new Christian to a seasoned Christian. And you're with them. I pray that they would latch on to every promise from your word. That they would find strength and encouragement for the things that they are faced with, that are challenged with. That you will revitalize the hope within them. And Lord, that we will not cower back, but live the authority that we have through Jesus Christ. And Lord, so I pray, I pray that in this season of Christmas that we would be so thankful for what you've done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.